Hey, I'm Daryl Etherington, and I'm here with my co-host and the entirety of my social support network. Jordan Crook. Yeah, happy to do it, too. It's not pressure on me at all to just support you fully with no help. I was saying you should step it up a little bit, to be honest. I feel like you're not you getting enough doing from more. Me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's not going to happen. So sometimes we just have to take what we can get, you know? But we're talking about that because on Founder this week, you know the show. Every week we talk to a different founder, a different entrepreneur, all about what they're building and how they're building it, and more about their personal story, really. And this week we have a very personal story indeed. We have Leah Schusterbeer, who is co-founder and CEO at Alula, which is a company that is making it easier making easier, making it even possible to begin with, I guess, to kind of manage the incredibly complicated process of dealing with having cancer and of dealing with caring for someone in your network who has cancer. Amazing mission, terrific mission, and as you'll hear, inspired very much by Leah's personal experience. Hi, Leah, welcome to Found. Hi, Daryl. Hey, Jordan. So awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Of course. So just to start off, could you tell us a little bit about Alula? Absolutely. Alula is a radically honest resource that I founded out of five years of personal experience. The kernel for Alula started in 2016 when my mother got diagnosed with breast cancer six months into my MBA. And I quickly had one foot in trying to complete my degree and one foot in being a caregiver alongside my father. She continued to ask me why she wasn't receiving shopping lists from her oncologist because every single time she had a subsequent lumpectomy and ultimately when she had a couple of mastectomies, we were finding it really difficult to shop for everything she needed outside the hospital room. It didn't become a business idea at the time. We were just fortunate that my mom made it to remission and I thought I was going to go back to my life as being an impact investor. But in early 2018, a few months after my mom had her final mastectomy, I was diagnosed with a rare form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And suddenly I found all the pain points that my mom was going through. I was going through once again, especially because I had a different type of cancer, more aggressive treatment. And I was craving what I built with the Lula, which is a digital community and marketplace that organizes all the products and services that you need to get through treatment and to get through the after effect of treatment. We're doing this with the first of its kind direct to consumer marketplace and registry for the cancer patient and their loved ones. We're doing this with the radically honest library called Humans of Cancer, which is an anthology of all the topics that you're desperately wanting your oncologist to talk you through, but they don't. Mm -hmm. And it's also a digital toolbox that helps you manage the everyday logistics of your care inside and outside the hospital room. Right. Well, I mean, it's obviously very personal for you, right? Which is what people say. And you were an investor too, right? I imagine you looked for that in investments that you were making as well, right? That people have a, a personal stake, but it's hard to it's hard to imagine a more personal stake in, in an idea and in a concept. Yeah. I mean, so we, I wrote about you, Leah, and I wrote about Alula, obviously. So this is our our second go around. Since we talked last time, I've learned a lot actually. My partner is works at a pharmaceutical company with treatments for cancer. And one of the things that I've learned is that there's a reason that doctors are doctors. Like it doesn't really matter if it's oncology or surgery or whatever. They tend to be very analytical scientists, right? And it's almost like the more severe the issue is, the more they lean into that side of themselves. 
And so there's like a layer that like, I think a lot of nurses provide, but there's a layer missing in our healthcare system in general that's not really being filled by a lot of startups that are really trying to like replace, it feels like, those like doctors, as opposed to like, how can we add that layer of making sure you understand everything that's going on, making sure you feel equipped to handle it, talking you through like the the nuances and what feels like it could be the little things, but actually end up being the really big things, right? Of like, I have a little question or I'm confused about this, or what do I need for this? that an oncologist or a surgeon or whoever, it just isn't available to answer. So I I, I feel like since we talked, I, I don't really have a question, but I just feel like since we've talked, like my eyes have been opened a lot on like just how critical that layer is, you know? And I my imagination's been tickled a little bit in terms of like how much you guys could expand and what else you could kind of do with Alula for people. Yeah. Oh, Jordan, I love that so much. And you're right. We chatted six months ago on my three-year cancerversary when we launched our Beta Plus. Since then, I've been expanding the vision uh, for a lot of reasons. I've been six more months into my journey as a survivor, which has brought its whole other complications of after effects. I think since you and I last chatted, I've been diagnosed with lymphedema in the left side of my body. I've been diagnosed with radiation fibrosis in my chest and my back, which is a fancy word for like your your literal muscles decaying that are supposed to hold your lungs and heart in place. And I've been navigating medically induced menopause as a 33-year-old and trying to like wake up my chemo fried ovaries. And I love what you said. The oncologist, the, the entire oncosphere is meant to do what they do. And my thesis is that we've poured in trillions and trillions of dollars, literally trillions of dollars into advancing the cure for cancer. Think about like your whole life growing up, literally for the last, since we've been alive several decades, we've made remarkable, remarkable progress in actually pulling that off. I wouldn't be here with you had we not pulled that off. We now have the ability to do chemotherapy in a fanny pack on your way to work, which is what I did the first time I had treatment. We now have the ability for you to do a transplant in literally three weeks. It used to take months and months and months. We now have the ability to integrate ancient medicinal practices like acupuncture to minimize host versus graft disease. And that's off the back of clinical scientists, like you said, doing their thing. I'm also married to I'm married to a physician. He's a cardiologist at NYU Langone. And so much of Alula's contours of the business model is because we went through this as a caregiver that's a physician and a patient that also was studying entrepreneurial management. And we were just like, this is totally bonkers. Why why are we pouring all of these like, you know, my treatment cost a quarter of a million dollars billed to insurance. And then they just would let me out into the wild. Nobody would really send me out of the hospital room, out of the infusion center, out of the transplant with much more than a lot of piece of pieces of paper, frankly. I had like wow. a, a two inch binder after my bone marrow transplant, but it didn't tell me if I wanted to like, I had a hundred day quarantine after my transplant and I became obsessed like many of us are in like curating my home to facilitate healing. And just like you're seeing like an explosion in interior decor during the pandemic, that was my life in 2019. But I didn't get guidance from my oncologist on just like, well, how do I pull that off but mitigate my antihistamines? I had to shop for like a meta, meta alert bracelet so that I could, if I was to get into a car accident, they would know what kind of blood type that I had. And they ended up finding a brand that was incredible and connected to my iPhone through an app. And I was like, why did my oncologist not 
give me this type of bracelet. They gave me some like literal, like old school 1990s pamphlet to shop from in the, in the hospital bed. And so what we're doing is we're really modernizing all of the everyday lifestyle shopping and lifestyle decisions that, like you said, actually make a huge difference in how you re-enter as a survivor and also how you get through everyday treatment. And I, I'm with you. I believe that that's what sounds like the little things because the big things are making it to your infusions on time and making sure that you can take care of your central line and things like that. But I think what has been missed is we actually are setting up, we are selling products on our marketplace that help mitigate your risk of hospitalization, that help mitigate your adverse effects, that help mitigate depression. And we believe that our digital toolbox, which activates your community, actually helps you decrease depression. It helps you make your cancer less lonely. And so our vision is that we become integrated with the delivery of care. I really like I wouldn't be here without a lot of experimental science, without a lot of advancements in curative medicine. But I also know I wouldn't be here without the everyday choices that I was fortunate to call from other patients, from endless conversations with unbelievable onco nurses, from strangers across the country who didn't have my same type of cancer, but who had these hacks. And what I was craving was a centralized location where somebody took these hacks and they made it easy to shop and they made it easy to learn and they made it easy to figure out, like, how do I how do I design this completely new life of mine? Oncologists aren't going to be in this business and we don't want them to be in this business. We want them to continue doing what they do best, which is continuing to discover medicine that continues to push the survivorship rate over 70%. But in the meantime, we're extremely excited to work alongside them. So can you refresh me, Leah, on like who exactly you're selling to, right? Because there's like a user side platform, right? Where like, okay, I've got my diagnosis. I've got a treatment plan. I heard of Alula. Let me get on there. And one of the things actually I want to make sure that our audience knows about is the the email drafter, which I think that is one of the things that like really, do you know about this, Daryl? No. So Alula has this thing where when you get your diagnosis, you have to, you have that, you reach that step where you have to start telling people in your life, right? Like, of course you like call your mom and yeah. close people, but then there's everyone else who needs to know and probably wants to support you and maybe could take you to your treatments or whatever. And Alula helps you draft the email. So it like walks you through kind of how you might want to go about talking about it because it's a hard thing to write, right? Like really difficult. But anyways, Leah, I wanted to ask you about like, remind me if you go to the hospitals and you go to the oncologists as well so that they recommend it and have you expanded that, right? Like, do you now go to like, I'm sure that there are like therapists that specialize in like cancer survival and I'm sure... Like I said, like my partner works at a pharmaceutical company that focuses on cancer treatments. Like they would love that and they have the dollars to spend, right? So like, have you expanded that? And what does that look like right now? My assumption was that the paradigm of care included a lot of this stuff. And I'm sure that's what a lot of people think before they undergo it themselves, right? And then you realize like, no, it's a tiny fraction of it. And all that stuff can add up to significant differences in prognoses and quality of life. But like, it's just not there, right? Yeah, totally, Daryl. I think we, when my mom and I went through it, we both just were like stunned. We were getting treatment at some of the greatest centers in the country, and we were stunned that this wasn't integrated into care. So to answer your question, Jordan, there's two pathways. 
what we've stood up so far and we've proven in the last six months is the direct-to-consumer pathway. So currently anybody across the country can access Alula. You can receive our medical supplies within 48 hours in the lower 48. We're extremely proud that we've already shipped to 36 different states across the country. And that's extremely important when you think about health disparities and that 15% of Americans live over three hours from a comprehensive cancer center. So we're extremely excited about the direct-to-consumer pathway and, and the opportunity to do that. We are launching a B2B2C channel as well, where we are standing up partnerships with cancer centers across the country. We are near launch with a couple. I can't share too many details there, but you're exactly right. We're building this pathway where we step-by-step extend to every segment of cancer, starting with medical centers, moving on to payers. And and what we're extremely interested in is we believe that we're building a first-of-its-kind behavioral and psychosocial data set. We believe that this information is actually a new type of clinical outcome that oncologists need to be tracking. And we believe that we can tie this to better prognosis, better survival rates, lower adverse events, lower hospitalizations, increase uptake of chemotherapy or, you know, fill in the blank infusion. And what I've become obsessed with, and especially being in my quote unquote survivorship chapter and really believing like this would be over for me. I'd be done with going to the hospital and having spent the last six months, like many patients around the country, negotiating how bad is it for me to go to to go get the treatment I need, whether it comes in the form of physical therapy, whether it comes in the form of medical massage, whether it comes in the form of continuing to, to screen for, I'm at high risk of breast cancer given my family history and I'm at high risk of other cancers. And so what we believe here at Alula is that today's cancer patient actually becomes tomorrow's fill in the blank patient. And we're so focused on curing the tumor that we forget that the, the toxicity of the treatment that it takes to cure the tumor despite how much more precise it is, despite how much, of course, clinicians are trying to minimize the spread to the rest of your organs, the reality is it's still quite systemic. And so the reality is that years after your treatment, you're actually at incredible high risk of diabetes, heart disease, organ failure. I'm like a walking high risk of a heart attack, which I try not to think about. But how do you mitigate that? And how can we tie these purchases to clinical outcomes during treatment? How can we tie lifestyle behaviors to clinical outcomes? And how can we do that hand in hand with clinicians? You know, our dream is to become the first digital survivorship clinic in the country. And I believe that one day we have the opportunity to integrate folks that are onco-focused within the Alula platform. And we're still streamlining what that can look like, but we have seen enormous reception from the market so far. And we're we're extremely excited. I mean, I really wish we weren't in this business. I wish this was already the way that the healthcare system was structured. And I think given that one in three Americans are getting cancer in their lifetime, given that the National Cancer Institute just updated its forecast that incidents of cancer is actually going to double over the next 50 years. Today, 2 million patients a year get diagnosed with cancer. They estimate that in 2050, 4 million patients a year get diagnosed with cancer. But it's not just about the cancer. It's about what happens to you after cancer treatment. You become a cardiology patient. You become an endocrinology patient. You become a diabetic patient. And how can we help mitigate that? 
So Leah, like, can we talk a little bit? First of all, we tend to have overachievers on our podcast. So mm-hmm. I just want to say you you fit in really well and also maybe stand out in a way because <laughs> you're overachieving in so many different ways. But I, I want to talk about your journey as a founder, right? Because we talked to folks who quit their job and took a risk. And I think that w- talking to you, there are so many extra layers to that, right? Because you're you're one surviving yourself, right? And and dealing with your own kind of health issues. And then at the same time, balancing running a company, which I think is auto, it's its own health issue, right? <laughs> like it's really difficult mm-hmm. and challenging. It's challenging physically and mentally. And then at the same time, you're, you're in a business where you're working on something that is very close to you, right? Like that is maybe the biggest kind of thing that's ever happened to you. And so balancing like, the empathy of I have to kind of like feel this all the time and stay connected to this feeling in order to help my users. But then I also have to stay clear up here and really think about like, how do I make the best long-term decisions for my business? And those two things I assume can conflict sometimes, right? And so I just wanna know how you think about balance as kind of the leader of this company in all those different ways, because there's so many different facets to it. I love that question so much, Jordan. Number one, it's been really mother hard. So I'm just gonna say that first. I think the founder journey is super glorified. And I can't tell you the amount of times I've turned to my husband. I'm like, is this gonna give me cancer? Like, this is not healthy. And so I've, I've done a lot of things to mitigate both systemically in terms of the work rhythms at work, which I can talk about as well as individually. So number one, therapy has been my best friend and I have a lot of different forms of it. I have a therapist, I have an executive coach and I'm in a founder support group. And those three pillars have given me community, have helped me with clinical side of it and have also helped me with the spiritual and just like, how do you stay how do you break through yourself as you sort of evolve as a leader? And how do you do that in community with others and and humanize that like you're doing a hard thing in building a business, especially during a pandemic where our jobs as founders and CEOs has really morphed into something none of us went to school for? On the mental health side, those three ingredients have been game changing. I think I did make the decision to build a Lula very close to going through the pain myself and actively continuing to go through the pain. I believe that the reason so much out there in cancer is sanitized is because people wait a while because it's really physically, it's really psychologically difficult. But I felt that if I waited, I would forget what this really felt like. And to be honest, I, I have for like, you just black out certain pieces of it are so bad. Your body, I feel like blacks out to keep you safe. And so I, I've loved being close to it. A really wild curve of that, my stem cell transplant nurse who infused the stem cells in my body in March of 2019 is now at Harvard Business School. And when we launched in January, she saw your TechCrunch article, Jordan, and she reached out to me on LinkedIn and was like, hey, I have no clue if you remember me. I was your nurse on M7 at Morelstone Kettering. I'm now in grad school and like, Alula is my dream job. I'm like, what? She's like, could I come work with you guys this summer? And you know, we we ran her through the interview process and she she passed with flying colors and she's been with us all summer. And I think because I've been so close to it, I've like kind of unlocked these serendipitous moments that have magically helped the business. And, and then I think the last thing I'd say is I've created work rhythms 
at Alula that are keeping me alive. And I often meditate on the fact that like the biggest business risk is that I get sick. And how do we structure work so that I can stay healthy and so my team can stay healthy. So one thing we do is no slack after 7, no slack or meetings or email after 7 p.m. until 8 a.m. In the summer, we've moved that up to six. That's like such a simple thing. But to actually close your computer and put your work away and make dinner, go on a walk, watch your favorite movie, whatever, has been stupidly game changing for us. We also have no meeting Wednesdays to really allow folks like a full day to be in creative flow, a full day to go to your doctor's appointments, to to whatever you got to do in your life. That has been pretty game changing and we're, we plan to keep that whether or not we ever go back to the office. We also have what we call internal hustle 12 to 1 on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is your time to take a nap, to make a slow lunch, to meditate, to do a workout, to like make out whatever whatever gives you energy and we continue to rub on this all the time in may right after we launched i gave the team uh extra week off 25 percent of the team was off at a time uh, it was you know a moment where we should be ha- working harder than ever but we had just been working harder than ever and like we have to rest and so i really believe in this concept of radical rest and we have the same thing on the weekends no meetings no work after fridays at one so it's obviously sometimes things come up, but that has really given us solidified time to recover. And it's kept me, it's kept us focused on living. I think the thing that I think I struggle with the most is that building a venture backed startup, uh, there's this culture of like, you have to just move like so fast to be competitors and to be first to market and all that stuff. But I think post cancer, the thing that I realized the most is like, why are our lives so oriented to working? Why are Mm -hmm. our lives not oriented to loving and to living and to like literally being alive? And obviously work does that for us in in some regards, if you're fortunate, but also how do we make space to not work? I definitely want to get our team to a four day work week. I definitely try to be super laser focused on like what's really not worth our time or, or, or headspace. And then I really try to give the team carved out radical rest time. We just had our our COVID close in July this past Thursday, Friday. So we're doing that all the time. And I think the pandemic has put that priority front and center for us all. And it's been it's been incredible. We've we've had three launches in the last six months. We just had our biggest week ever from a metrics perspective. We're proving that you can work less, but work smarter. If you're listening to Found, you're probably already super interested in startups and the overall startup ecosystem. So we've got a great deal for you. We're going to offer you 50% off either a one-year or a two-year subscription to Extra Crunch. Extra Crunch is TechCrunch's premium product offering. And when you go there, you'll get deep dive interviews with some of the top founders in the industry. You'll get market maps on specific verticals and some of the most exciting areas of growth in startup land. You'll also get uh, surveys of some of the top VCs in different areas, including different geographies. So you can subscribe to Extra Crunch at extracrunch.com. That's probably the easiest way. Or if you're already on TechCrunch, follow the links for Extra Crunch and you'll get a prompt to subscribe and then just enter that code that's found, the name of this podcast, during checkout and you'll get 50% off on either a one-year or a two-year subscription. Kind of carrying on from that same sentiment, obviously you've built a like process and a structure within your business to be like, 
your health and your life and your personal life and who you are as a person is important. And then at the same time, like you said, you're venture backed. There is pressure to move fast. You have pressure, I'm sure, from your investors and also knowing that the people who work for you and with you are giving it their all. And I know that you probably have really bad days, right? Like health days that maybe don't fit into your Wednesday or don't happen on Tuesdays and Thursdays from one to two that might happen on a Monday morning on a big week, right? And so how do you personally say, I have to make this choice of like, I can't be with you guys right now and it's it's on you and you can do it. Or I can't take this investor call right now. It's not, I'm not there with you. Like, how do you manage those? Do you have any like stories of when you just had to be like, I have to draw the line because that's what it's going to take for me to come back tomorrow or that's what it's going to take for me to come back next week and be who I need to be? And how do you have those conversations too? 100%. So another way that we systemize this at Alula is we have user manuals and we update them every time you're kind of in a new chapter of work. So I actually just had to update my user manual as I'm entering a big fundraise and I presented the user manual to my team a few weeks ago and I was extremely emotional because I've had a really difficult spring. I've been in a lot of chronic pain. I have not been sleeping as much as I need to. And I reshuffled the meetings that I'm going to attend on a certain week. I told the team, these are the things that you don't need my sign off on. I trust you. Just I don't want to be a block. I need to savor my energy for like these other type of meetings. And the team was incredibly receptive to that. And we've built a culture where Everybody has the opportunity to say that depending on their particular life moment or their particular business moment. And then I think on an intraday basis, I've learned how to say, I'm not going to be present with you right now and I have to reschedule this meeting. And that was really hard for me until cancer. Cancer forces you to say, I feel like today. Like I, everything hurts. I'm not cognitively here and I'm not lesser for it. It's just the reality of my body right now. And that's been a really empowering thing. I don't think pre-cancer, I, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to how to just be really honest about my limits and really honest about my desire to be present and what it would take for me to bring my my best self, my most creative self, my most empathetic self, my most listening self to a conversation. And I just say that. I now just say, you know, I want to be present with you in this conversation. I can't make this meeting work. Can we reschedule for next week? Or I'm actually in a pretty intense period working on this particular launch or working on this particular project. Could we reschedule for late August? I have found that folks respond super well to that. We somehow are in the society where like we have anxiety, even rescheduling something or saying like we can't be there for something. And we don't have the language anymore to just to put our recovery first or to just put our rest first or just to to honor that like this is an important conversation and it should be it should occur when you're in a place to have it in terms of investors i've been extremely selective of folks to work with that do not just deeply respect this limitation of mine but honor it and i think what's forgotten when you take capital from folks is that you have the right you have the opportunity to take capital from who you want to and you have the opportunity to take capital from value aligned investors and i think for me it is a huge piece of building a company that i that i could survive in because obviously different different folks operate you know just have different north stars and i think the folks that uh, have funded alula just 
not only deeply respect me and deeply respect this operating model, but have actually told me when they see that I am physically at my limit. Like I I had one of my investors, Susan Line of BBG Ventures, tell me in in May, she literally called me and said, you're not allowed to do anything else until you go see a lymphedema specialist. That is the most important thing. She, uh, I'm going to start crying. Like it was the most generous thing in the world. She leveraged her whole network to to find me multiple specialists that could take me, that could do it in a COVID-friendly environment. And I spent all of June in treatment. And that's the type of investor that I want on my cap table. And I, I think many founders deserve to to work with investors like that. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, we hear all the time from, from people who credit their investors for a lot of things, but that's, that's a level beyond. That's like, that's true, true support. And it's, it's very nice to see that people, I think you mentioned selectivity. And I think what one of the nice things that's happened with sort of the availability of capital, there's more capital available in the market, is that there's more choice available to entrepreneurs. And there's a lot more angels and operator angels who have, I think, a lot more sympathy for what founders are going through and can be much more value aligned, right? Whereas before you had to go to a handful of people who basically held the purse strings and they had strong values alignment among themselves, but not with anyone else essentially. Right. And it was very, very tricky. You basically had to compromise and, and say, you know, we're going to operate in this mode in this Silicon Valley startup mode. And it comes with all these conditions. And that's the only way to do it because those are the only people who are writing checks. Right. Well, the trickle down of that, like select group that has been operating for so long in Silicon Valley has made like a generation of entrepreneurs as well who operate that way. And then they trickle down and become investors and it's really recent to be honest where we've had this like kind of I would hesitate to call it diversity still uh, because we're not even close but like there's optionality for an entrepreneur and and that's really exciting I have to echo that Susan line is the shit. she is like one of my favorite people in VC hands down and I just I'm gonna shut up and let Daryl pepper more in but I wanted to just say like your note on I've been thinking about this a lot. Your your comment on talking about what you need and prioritizing it and being honest when you're communicating that to people. I feel like that is something that's really, really been bothering me lately is like the the need we all feel to kind of like lie our way out of prior commitments. Like, oh, I can't make it. I have to reschedule. And I think we all see through it and feel it. But it is so important. I wish, I hope that the founders who are listening to this hear what you're saying and know that it doesn't necessarily have to be cancer and it doesn't necessarily have to be the after effects of cancer that allow you to say, I need what I need right now. And I'm just going to be honest with you about it and treat you like, I hope you would treat me because I could have empathy for whatever that is. And let's like all give each other the respect of honesty of what we need from one another and what we need for ourselves and just see how it goes, right? Like that, it might work out better than you think. And you might have a lot more respect from the people you're communicating with at the end of the day for just being straight up with them. I really hope that that's a note people are taking. I know I'm going to. I just just really liked that. I think that's so true. And I also think that's so true about telling people 
that you're getting help of all kinds. I hesitated, I'll tell you, to to share with my team that I was in therapy, to share with my team that I had an executive coach that was providing me a lot of psychosocial support, and to also share that I'm in a founder support group with five under founders under NDA, and we meet for three hours a month, and we have radically honest conversations about what's really hard. I thought that if I share that with folks, they, they would think I'm I'm a, I'm a weaker leader or am I really up for the task or things like that. And I found truly the reverse response. And we've created a culture out of Lula where folks put on their Slack channels like, hey, I'm in therapy from nine to 10 on Thursday and we don't schedule meetings around that time. It is sacred space. And I... I think it's it's actually so powerful when folks see that conversation being had at work. I also think we are in a particular moment, and you, you're seeing this in a lot of the conversation around the Olympics, where extreme performance and extreme mental acuity and taking care of your rest and taking care of your recuperation in whatever form that looks like for you has become hand in hand with beating the odds and with achieving greatness. And so for sure, this lives in venture in, in a micro way. But I also think this is a broader societal zeitgeist moment where we finally are talking about taking care of our you know, our memory, taking care of our our hearts, taking care of our families and how that's like so intrinsically linked to us showing up and doing whatever we're taking on. And so I'm I'm, I'm truly excited for this moment. And I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I think like when you were, especially particularly like when you're talking about uh, that shift of realizing that the reason we do work and the reason we do our jobs is to for our lives right it's to sustain our lives and to like make our lives enjoyable and it's very easy to reverse that and it happens all the time and i don't me and jordan don't always joke about our qualities as managers but i think the one thing that i have been good at as a manager and it's i have a relatively little experience but if i'm in a meeting with employees and, you know, they're talking about how overwhelmed they are, how stressed they are, you know, how difficult they're finding things. I always remind them, like, the only reason that you're here doing this is so that this company can exist to provide you with with a living and also to do, hopefully, something that net provides other people with a living. Right? Like, And if you're miserable doing it, then it's it's already failed. Like, it's already not doing what it's supposed to be doing. So, like... Just reminding people that that should always come first and that should always be their first priority. And then above and beyond that, whatever else we can do is important to do. And and not something people have done for a while. It's not something I encounter very much, right? Like, And I feel like what I found is like, I mean, Daryl and I both have the same boss and have for many, many years because we are underachievers who just stay where we are forever. <laughs> and we get that, right? Like we get that kind of we support. Accept. And I feel like we've, <laughs> we've, we've both made made an effort to give it. And what I've found is that both my like loyalty and respect for the people I work for has been tremendous. And I feel like the the same is true for the people that work for us. I mean, at, at least I hope and I, I, I feel like we get that feedback of like, I appreciate this. And this is a big reason why I can work harder. This is a big reason why I feel like I want to stay here. And I feel like the the ROI from the smaller things of just prioritizing that for, for the team is huge. You know, it, it's like an X factor that's super qualitative, but it matters a lot. What I loved what you said, Daryl, is, and I've been, I haven't perfectly reconciled this in my life, but you go to work to work for a living, but 
where's the where's the space for the actual living and mm -hmm. it's been i think one of the toughest things as a founder craving that time to live especially facing my own mortality so many times over the last several years and and being so satiated by this work but at the same time being so satiated by taking a friday afternoon to go swimming in the at the beach like and and being able to talk about that loudly like that is okay that that's what we're working for we're working to go to the beach and just like clock out and yeah. to soak up time with our puppies and and the people we love in our life and i feel like somewhere along the way that's gotten super hidden. You're giving me the confidence, Leah, to tell you that when we're done with this, I'm actually going to a pool with my puppy. That is what's happening this afternoon on a Monday. That's wow. what I'm doing this afternoon, too. Daryl's like, uh, I'm noting this. No, I'm on holiday. I don't, in Canada, it's a civic holiday. So, like, I'm all for it's this. It's not a civic holiday here, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're trying to normalize, how to go to the beach on a Monday with your puppy and feel no corporate guilt about it. Yushad and I, Yushad is our producer who's amazing, one of them, and and I'm sure Leah, you deal with this, where it's like the jobs that we do are very like, it's hard to be away because there are certain things that like Jordan has to do, right? Like no one else at TechCrunch can do, Yushad has to do, Daryl has to do. There are things that like you have to do, Leah, like that no one else can fill that role. And it feels like those things are every single day. And it's really hard mentally to be like, it'll be pushed back a day, right? Yeah. Or it'll be pushed back a week. And like, life will go on. The company will continue to thrive. Like, that will be okay. But it's like, it's almost like it's in your own head. Yes. And I've had to work really hard to be like, no, Monday at the pool. Like, I, I think I'm going to do that because the opportunity presented itself and like, life will go on, right? Yeah, they very quickly become immovable those daily things they, they, they become like absolute you think they're like fundamental laws of physics or something it's like oh that's something that has to happen but they absolutely don't right and this is this is another discussion i've had recently in like a managerial position with somebody was like but if i don't do all of these things they're not going to get done you know like i'm overwhelmed i have things xyz that i need to do and if i don't do them they're not going to get done and for both this person and myself, it was a moment of like, you're right. And that's okay. Like, you're right that they're not going to get done. And you're right that we have no way to substitute for them to get done. And that's okay. And we're all going to be okay with that. And, you know, I think that is one of the hardest things too, is, is like, sometimes you don't even have a backup plan or a thing that goes to, but that can be okay. That's totally fine. Right. Like, I think it took Daryl and I a long time to get to that place on our own. Oh yeah. And I then mean, now really our, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now that challenge is like, how do you give that same thing to the people who work with you and really try to like help them internalize, like, it'll be okay. Like if we miss a week of a newsletter, like, okay. You know, like <laughs> they'll come back and they'll open the next one. It'll be fine. But Leah, how do you, I mean, the manuals, it sounds like the user manuals is one part of the way to do that. Like you have this thing, but like, how do you do that with your team? Like, it seems like you're very good at it. <laughs> we have this conversation every Tuesday at our one-on-ones. So I always, I always say to the team, we have three moving levers. We have time. So like the deadline for something. We have people scale. So like how much help how much people leverage do we need to bring in someone else to help us pull off the project and we have the actual like the bar of effort those are all kind of like movable things and one thing that we've been working on especially because like we have to get out the newsletters we want we need to grow engagement we have like 
depending on the week and depending on the conversation and depending on the milestone, we move those levers. And one thing that we've been working with is level of effort. It's something that we're doing at our North Star metric meetings every Monday, which I'm going into after this conversation. It's something we do in our one-on-ones. Like, does this have to be a medium-sized effort? Can we make it an extra small level of effort? Can we prototype this? Can this be worse? Like, does this newsletter have to be a thousand words? Can it be 500 words just so we can get it on time, just so we can engage with our customer? And so something we've been practicing this summer is just like getting the things that don't have to be major efforts into smaller sizes and to be super excited about that, to celebrate like, you know what? We, we got this thing out. It's half of what we thought it would be, but that's actually perfect. Yeah. That's huge. An efficiency gain, like achieving the same ends with half effort is really something to celebrate. That's what people should get excited about that. People should get excited about it. And so, or, or let's have an honest conversation of if we need to bring in a contractor because like you're only one person and we're a nine person team that's doing the work of like a 40 person team. And that's the other thing is I, I continue to remind people like I know you're doing the job of five people right now. Like I know that I'm asking you to act like a head of marketing because we don't have a head of marketing yet. I know that you're a PM as well as an engineer. So how can we what can we where can we cut back? So I think like ruthlessly reprioritizing truly on like a daily and weekly basis and being okay to prototype something because we don't have the time or the human scale yet. And then we end up, you know, continuing to grow sales or we end up continuing to learn something like and then celebrating that actually you did a quarter or half the job you thought you would do. And it was still awesome. Yeah. I love the phrase ruthlessly reprioritize. Like if you get shirts made, yeah. Leah, like I will buy like a dozen. I call it wazing <laughs> internally. How can we and and actually rerouting. So like wazing and oh, rerouting. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that I love that. First of all, I love that app. And second, that's what it does, right? It you don't necessarily have to take the highway somewhere. Like you could check out the side streets. It might be a better ride. And I think that's like what especially like a pre-seed business is at. That's like the hardest part of there's a million ways that you could go. And how do you constantly reroute? But also, how do you get there faster so you could get home faster? The thing that I keep coming back to when I have these moments is the 100 days that I was in quarantine after my bone marrow transplant in 2019, I was so bored. I've never spent that much time not at work. And I was like, okay, this is great. I'm going to like, I, I'm going to read all the novels I never read. I, I have obviously had this like stupid bucket list of things I wanted to do, none of which I had physical energy to do. And I couldn't read because truly my my eyes couldn't handle it. I, I just was too weak to do anything quote unquote productive. And I was working with my therapist on surrendering to quote unquote unproductivity. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed in that liminal existence was all I wanted was to be with nature, to be with puppies and to be with people I loved. And then I was working with my therapist on getting better on asking the folks I love to spend time with them and to not feel like I was a burden because folks had been, you know, moving their life around to help me get through treatment for so many months. And when I reached out to people, they would just be like, oh, I'm at work. I'm, I'm working late tonight or I'm at work this week or I can't I can't meet up because I'm it's, it would be a Sunday like I'm, I'm getting ready for the week. And I was just like, holy crap, literally everyone is working. I might die in the next couple of months and I won't even be able to see my friends because everyone's mm. at work. 
and I know that's like a, such a brutal way to say it, but every single time that I get caught up in like an addictive relationship to work, which absolutely does happen, I, I think back to those moments and I think back to just the fragility of our existence and the reality that if someone you love won't be here tomorrow, like, did you make the time when you had the time to see them? And how can you make more time to be in that space where you're just like, where you're truly enjoying being alive? But it, it's it's truly, it's, it's a constant, it's like a daily meditation because there's, we're all living in these long to-do lists and we all have these like built out asanas and air tables of like how we're going to get to the next quarter, blah, blah, blah. But I think that's the that's the hardest work that we're doing. And I think that's been the hardest part of, be, of being a founder. And I don't think it's, it has to do anything to do with being a founder. I think it's just like trying to be a human, a human yeah. after realizing that life is so fragile and breath is so fragile. And, you know, our day to day is just not guaranteed. Yeah, I find that very inspirational. Like I'm inspired to go after this call and just lie in the grass, which I'm inspired even more than I was to go to this. We're going to go live fully me and Jordan and that, that's what I like about it is like it can be and you mentioned it it's like yeah it's, it's seeing people but it's also just like spending time in nature if you like nature like it's like doing the thing that you find truly enjoyable and redeeming right so that, that's great that's a range of things right? baking a galette from scratch it's like reading reading the book for hours without interruption it doesn't really matter it's it's truly whatever makes you feel like you're having an awesome Monday morning so I don't know how that pertains to Alula. I think we're. <laughs> <laughs> I think it. I think it has everything to do with it. I mean, it's. It, I think it's. It's honestly like because I was looking at the website before. It's. It's like the website is imbued with that now that I know that about it. Right? Like it's. It feels like it's through the DNA of the company. I think that's very much to its credit. So. Yeah, we built the brand, yeah. and by we, I mean my director of design, Derek Chan. Derek and I built this brand really, examining our relationship to nature and its healing power. So the entire palette is inspired by by sand, sand which, you know, on its own it's this crystal that people literally like shrug off the table, but in mass it is such a powerful erosion and it's such a powerful it's one of the most powerful minerals out there and it's mm-hmm. sort of metaphoric of what we believe our product is, you know. You don't have to go through cancer alone with a technology that helps amplify your support system. You could be together. And then we're infusing earth and water and nature. Kind of we're, we're looking to create this this digital sanctuary, which we know not just cancer patients need when they're going through treatment, but those that love them need it. And honestly, with everything happening in the world and in our climate, everybody needs a place where you yeah. can sort of <sighs> take off your metaphorical clothes and just like lie naked and bare and vulnerable. And it's been a gift to, to try to create that in the version of a business. And it's a gift to, to try to create that at work. So, well, thanks very much, Leah. It's been awesome. And I'm glad you, you shared that gift with us too. I feel like found is now an extension of that space. You can come here in the podcast. Like I'm quitting <laughs> therapy. I feel like I don't need it anymore. No, we wait. just do this podcast. <laughs> Sarah's like, no, no, no. You need therapy for real. Stay, stay in the therapy. Everyone should stay in the therapy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks. It's, it's wonderful. It was really great talking to you, Leah. I loved every minute of it. I was just soaking it up. So thanks again. All right. That was our conversation with Leah. 
Jordan, you clearly were deeply involved, affected by this one. I think you you spoke to her previously, right? As you mentioned in the show, so you clearly had some context going in. But what was your take on the the episode? Yeah, regular listeners know I'm either engaged or not. It's pretty binary, and I felt very engaged with this episode. Like you said, I talked to Leah and interviewed her for what I believe was the launch story, and it really like. My conversation with her, normally I keep my interviews to like 20-ish minutes. And I remember getting off the phone with her after like 45 or 50 minutes because I was just kind of like hanging on her every word. And I felt so compelled and inspired by Alula's mission and kind of what they're doing for people. And I also just think that she's a really, really impressive person given everything that she's gone through personally and kind of tackling this, I think. It'd be easy to say, like, I have this weight of the world on my shoulders in my personal life and I don't want to take on anymore. And it really shows like what kind of like servant's heart and what kind of compassion she has to say, like, no, if it was hard for me, it's hard for other people and I'm going to do something about it. And yeah, I just loved I loved hearing from her about how she's running her business and how she structured it and designed it from everything from what the brand kind of represents aesthetically to how she structures the workplace and working alongside her team to, you know, how she thinks about the business and expanding it and and what it could be in the future. It just all, it all tickles me. Yeah. I'm all for it. I would love to read a business management book by Leah about like how to, I, I felt like it was the best manual on how to actually run a business successfully and in a human way that respects everyone as human contributors, right? As opposed to. Yeah. A lot of the Valley books are like the opposite of that. It felt very much like a different perspective from like what we hear from a lot of founders. And I I feel like if there are founders in the audience who are listening and feel like, okay, like what would I take away for me at the very least as a non-founder, I would just say like the openness to say that you're asking for help and being like clear on where you're at and that, that like candor about like what you need just felt like really kind of like not what you hear very often. And I think we're leaning into that and we're moving in that direction, but she's so confident in it and kind of owns it. And adopting that, I think, could be good, not just for founders who are worried about themselves, but about your, for your business, for the people you work with, for your customers, for your partners, for your investors. It just seems like you're starting a virtuous cycle and taking on that behavior. Yeah, I'm all for virtuous cycles. Let's get them going. They're great because they're cyclical nice (laughs) cool good insight okay (laughs) so please leave us five stars for this amazing you won't get this insight anywhere else give us those five star ratings (laughs) come back next week enjoy the episode found is hosted by myself techcrunch news editor daryl etherington and techcrunch managing editor jordan crook we are produced by Ishad Kulkarni and edited by Grace Mendenhall. And Maggie Stamets is our associate producer. TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pickovit. Our guest this week was Leah Schuster-Beer, co-founder and CEO at Alula. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and on Twitter at twitter.com found. You can also email us at found at techcrunch.com. And you can call us and leave a voicemail at 510-936-1618. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. 